Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Well, Ontario has now suspended the rollout of the first dose of AstraZeneca vaccine. We'll get listener reaction to that. A new Leger poll suggests a majority of Canadians support the idea of a vaccine passport, but it does depend on the purpose of it exactly what they're going to be used for. And the Toronto Rock of the National Lacrosse League are returning to Hamilton. The president of their team, J.B. Dowick, joins us to talk about it. It's all coming up. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about what's happening with the vaccines and uh, and about you know the inoculations and the, about which one you're getting. And uh, I guess a lot of us were shocked yesterday when the province of Ontario and uh, some other jurisdictions, frankly, uh, have suspended the rollout of the first dose of AstraZeneca COVID-19. Global's Dave Woodard has the story. Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health says the reason for the pause in the rollout is due to an increased risk of blood clot in those who got the AstraZeneca vaccine. Over the last few days, there has been increased reports of VITT. He says it is still incredibly rare, but they made the move out of an abundance of caution. However, Dr. Williams says an increased risk doesn't translate to getting the second dose. Data from the UK points to a much reduced risk of VITT in second doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine. Still, public health isn't going to let those who got a first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine jump the queue and get the second one. Instead, when the time comes up, Dr. Williams says they'll have a plan ready to go. Dave Woodard, Global News. Well, so what does this do for your confidence in the in the vaccine? Uh, you know, we've been told all along that get the vaccine, doesn't matter what kind. AstraZeneca, yes, there are some concerns about the, the possibility of blood clots, but go ahead and do this. Uh, matter of fact, all our political leaders, the main political leaders in this country, the Prime Minister, uh, Aaron O'Toole and uh, Jagmeet Singh, uh, have all been vaccinated with AstraZeneca. Uh, It seemed to be the one that was more readily available, of course, in the early days of the vaccination program, and is still being used to a great extent, up until yesterday anyway. Have you lost confidence in it? Are you concerned about this? Is it causing vaccine hesitation now? Were you thinking, well, I'm not so sure I want to do this, and now you're saying, well, I'm positive I don't want to do this now. It's the mixed messaging here, I think, that really, I think, throws an awful lot of people off. Uh, 905-645-3221 is our number. 905-645-3221. Star 9900 is toll-free. If you want to call for long distance, it's 1-800-263-2428. That's a toll-free number for you as well. Does the announcement about AstraZeneca worry you? If you've got the first dose, are you concerned about that? Now, they say that you shouldn't be. But, again, why why are they pulling it back then? It's an interesting debate, and it's something that I think we have to put on the table and have a discussion about and get some clarification on. Dr. David Williams, the chief medical officer, was pretty adamant about it yesterday when he was making the announcement that they were going to do this, that if you've had it already, don't worry. And there's some speculation that one of the reasons they're doing this is because, well, AstraZeneca could be in short supply. We already knew that was going to happen a couple of weeks ago because a lot of it, if not all of the AstraZeneca vaccine that we get, is from India. Uh, it's being manufactured there. Well, and they've basically said, uh, we're not shipping anything out right now because we need it here. Because, well, we've seen the horrific conditions that are going on in India right now with the third wave and the variants that are happening. So they said, we have to hold on to it right now. So that may be behind the reason as well. Uh, there's also the concern about the blood clotting. And, and you know, what happens going forward here? If you've already had one shot in this AstraZeneca, are you concerned that your second shot might be a problem? It's a question I think that we need to have answered here. Now, 
we've talked to some experts who have said, don't worry about it, because it's not going to be that way. As a matter of fact, it, it, because we know that there are other jurisdictions that are way ahead of us when it comes to the vaccine rollout, uh, like the UK, for instance, uh, they said, look, we've been there, done that. All the stuff that you guys are asking, we asked ourselves as well. And there seems to be some evidence now that... Uh, Yes, the blood clotting thing is an issue with some people. As a matter of fact, we first heard about it in the UK. But they say the second shot actually reduces the risk of blood clotting with AstraZeneca, which is a rather interesting twist to the whole thing. So we're not sure exactly what's happening with that, but we'll have to take that advice. Now, that's that's not clinical. That's really anecdotal stuff that they've done so far over in the UK about what can happen with second shots. So So maybe it's going to be fine. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Are you concerned about it, though? Does this announcement give you pause about the vaccination, especially with AstraZeneca? 905-645-3221, star 9900, or 1-800-263-2428. Dave, you're first up on this on the Bill Kelly Show. Welcome to the program, Dave. Hi, Bill. Long time. No talk to. Um, I'm not um, concerned at all. I got the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, This technology they've been using for, as you know, decades that this vaccine is based on. And if you look back... At, over the years at the use of this vaccine, there's always been, you know, a few people that were going to have problems, but, you know, uh, you know, I feel bad for anybody who had a problem with this vaccine, but uh, if I was really that concerned, I wouldn't have gotten it. Did you know about, when did you get uh, vaccinated, by the way? Really after, after, uh, oh, five weeks ago. Okay, so this news was, that story was out there about the blood clotting by then. You knew all yeah. about that. Yes, sir. And and you you weighed the the good against the bad, which is what they told us to do, right? Yeah, I, you know, um, I, I wasn't in contact uh, directly with anybody with COVID, but I was darn close. So I figured because of the work I'm in, I, I figured better safe than sorry. I mean, uh, you know, you got to weigh the risks and, and the benefits. And to me, the benefits were, were, were astronomically way better than the risks, bigger than now, the risks. Now, did you have any any side effects? Uh, because I've talked to a few folks that have had the AstraZeneca, uh, and they said that uh, they felt kind of crappy for three or four days afterwards. Yeah, I did, but, you know, it, it wasn't a major problem. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was a kid and got vaccinated at school, they sent my, uh, back in the 70s, Bill, early 70s, <laughs> they <laughs> sent my mother home the same kind of list, as I recall, was saying that, you know, your child might not feel good for a few days. And, uh so yeah, it was. I, I I did, but I'm fine, and uh, you know it wasn't to be unexpected. So when you go to get your second shot, uh, if if it's AstraZeneca, you're okay with that too? Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll go back and get it tomorrow if they say you can come and get it. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I believe in it, and uh, just as I would have believed in Pfizer and Moderna, but uh, yeah. in my case, uh, urgency was uh, more for me, and. Uh, it, you know, you can't argue with the science. Uh, you know, like Bill Clinton used to say, it's the economy stupid. Well, it's the science stupid. Yeah. Uh, glad it worked out for you, Dave. Thanks so much for the call. Thank Appreciate you. you joining us on the program today. 905-645-3221, star 9900. Uh, toll free, long distance, 1-800-263-2428. Does the announcement of a pulling back on AstraZeneca concern you? Let's go to uh, Jimmy. You're next on the Bill Kelly Show. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm well. Have you been vaccinated? I have been vaccinated after... After I got COVID. You got COVID? I had COVID six weeks ago. Anyone who thinks it isn't real, you're in for a surprise. How did it impact you? How did it, it affected me in every way except respiratory, all simultaneously at the same time for six days. I lost 22 pounds in six days. I'm a, a healthy 60-year-old man, and it was wicked 
No, okay, now you've got me intrigued by this. I'm, I'm glad you're here to talk to us about this, by the way, uh, because I've heard, of, you know, how about the quick deterioration? I assume it was one of the variants then, if you got it and adapted on that quickly. How did it manifest itself, though? You say not the respiratory part. What did you feel? How well, did it... I, I mean, I, I, I was a Monday morning. I went to went to my office about two o'clock in the afternoon. I wasn't feeling well. I laid on the couch, and I that was the beginning of it. Cold sweats, high fever. Um, loss of appetite, headache, earache, pink eye, sinus infection, diarrhea. Wow. All at the same time. And how long did that last? Six days. Six days of hell. It was terrible. It was terrible. I mean, I it was terrible. If it wasn't for my dog by my side locked in my bedroom, I'd have gone crazy. So how are you feeling now? Aces, 100%. And I've had my AstraZeneca shot. Okay. And I'm going to tell you something. This is my belief. The foolhardy people who want to believe that the government knows what they're doing, just play back the last six months. They don't have a freaking clue. Yes, they're leaning toward the science, but you have to be reasonable. When you watch TV late night or any time during the day and you see these new drugs on TV, you best watch the whole commercial and listen to all of the side effects that are on them. They're as long as your arm. So every new drug has a side effect, but if it's going to save my life and stop me from getting sick again, bring it on. I'll take AstraZeneca tomorrow again. And those that don't, I just cannot believe once again the government is delaying something that everyone in this world needs. I'm glad you're here to talk about this. I'm glad you've survived, and uh, and hopefully uh, that's all in your rearview mirror now. Jimmy, thanks so much for the call, and please uh, stay well now. You're welcome, Bill. Now that you're back on your feet, stay well. Let's try to squeeze in some more here before we finish off. Steve, you're next on the Bill Kelly Show. Hi, Steve. Hey, Bill. How are you doing? Good. Have you vaccinated yet? Yes, I got the AstraZeneca about two weeks ago. Are you concerned about the announcement yesterday? Um, absolutely. I mean, everybody that I know uh, got the shot. Um, including, um, you know, my sisters, my siblings. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, we all kind of went in knowing the risk. But why did they have to do this now? Why couldn't they come up and tell us a month from now or even two months from now saying, hey, we're all out of AstraZeneca and um, uh, doing a second shot maybe not be the best thing because of these new results? I don't know what the timing was, and and again, it's all speculation. They're saying it's because of the blood clot concern. I'm wondering if there's a supply problem here, too. Keep in mind, uh, of course, you haven't had your second shot. They're, they're doing a study in the U.K. right now to say, well, even if you've had AstraZeneca for the first shot, you could probably get Pfizer or Moderna as the second shot. Now, they haven't confirmed that yet, so this might be just laying the groundwork for that. Oh, great, and, you know, I might be more immune after the fact. Yeah. Just, you know, I would have waited. You know, if if uh, they're not going to administer it, I, I would be totally, you know, totally understand, um, you know. But this flip-flopping, uh, you know, when everybody else is stressed out beyond anybody's ever seen before, this is ridiculous. No, I agree with you totally. I think they've really screwed this whole thing up. And mixed messaging like that only adds to the angst. I appreciate your call. Thanks so much. Kind of try to get at least one more in here before we have to go to break. Anthony, you're next on the Bill Keller Show. Welcome to the program, Anthony. Thanks. Good morning. Um, I just want to say a couple of things. I think you guys, the people that called in, is correct. These people do not know what they're doing. They make you can't even eat a, an apple from them. This government, that's what I'm talking about. They, they don't know that people 
that's here are the people that vote. And if the people that vote dies, there won't be any people voting. They should not make people not trust them. Because when we don't trust them, when we don't trust, you see kids when they don't trust an adult, you feel they act. That's why okay, we should okay. not trust to, them. Okay, like, but to they that do point, not know what they're doing. So have you, they, have you been vaccinated, though? No, because I never trust. You don't trust the science. You don't trust the doctors. Not, that we not only about. the science. Not not that. Not the science. Um, uh, like for instance, people like you, I heard your show a lot. I listen to your show. It's a great show. I Thank hear you. you bring a lot of doctors on there. You did your job. You bring a bunch of doctors on for months and months and months, and everybody was running behind each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Get out there and do it. Get out there and do it. I heard you guys do it on your show. Bring people yep. out. Doctors there. You didn't say it. You brought doctors on. So-called professionals. And they now I hear, I listen to the Kelly Katura show too also, and I hear their in-house doctor, he's backing out of it. And I've been listening to him for months saying, go ahead, grab a shot, grab a shot. And now they're all backing out. That's why I think doctors over in Canada. Well, a, I don't think, I don't think he is. Don't I don't know I... anything. Okay, if we listen. knew everything, we'd have known that if 15 countries backed off this thing, why are we jumping on it? I know we're, we're worried because we got out of the gate late, but there's a reason for everything. If, if, if Denmark, these Holland, all these people that make this stuff or, or have this stuff or they're using it and that knew this stuff was bad and told us about it, why did we jump and take it? All well, the I'll tell you, Anthony, okay. I listen, heard you have them on your show. I don't, I, I do. Listen, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you, Anthony, I want you to listen. I want, I want you to listen, okay? Uh, i got to do a break here anyway. Uh, if, I'm, I'm sorry that you're skeptical about this. Uh, Kelly Couture, of course, is on our system station in Toronto, AM640, and, and a great talk show host. I appreciate it and I lo- like the work that she's doing. Uh, and you're going to bring contrary opinions on here. But the doctors are not backing away from this when They're simply saying they want to pause this for the time being. Uh, and I know lots of people that have had the AstraZeneca vaccine with absolutely no negative impacts. Uh, and we knew that from the get-go. I mean, they did the course studies on this. And they said, this is what can happen. Uh, you could get the Visa vaccine and have a bad reaction to it, too. We haven't heard those chronicled yet, but that happens. Anytime you're going to put anything into your body, uh, it could be, you know, a, a Tylenol, for heaven's sakes. Some people are going to have adverse reactions, and they're studying that. And I'm glad that they are, you know, instead of just turning their backs and pretending it's not a problem, because it is a problem. It's a concern. Uh, and who knows what's going to happen over the long term with AstraZeneca. But they do say that, you know, get it. We're not going to get it now. But it may well come back later on. But if it's going to come back later on after it's been studied, that hopefully is going to reassure an awful lot of you at the same time. Uh, glad you joined in. A lot more to come on this, of course, in the days and weeks ahead. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. A lot of reaction, and uh, we're going to give you more opportunity later on in, uh, in the week to, uh, to talk about uh, the vaccines and your concerns about uh, what's been happening over the last little while and some of the misinformation, too. And a lot of reaction to our last caller, too, that said he didn't get the vaccine and uh, he, some doctor that he was referring to that said that he shouldn't get it. Uh, I'm hoping uh, he, may, he shouldn't get the AstraZeneca and not, not get the vaccine, and I hope he reconsiders that. And there's going to be contrary medical opinions. I mean, that happens. <laughs> I mean, there are some doctors that don't think smoking's bad for you, too, but the, the, the general consensus is, and, and the, the wisdom and the science indicates that, yeah, it is. And getting the vaccine against COVID-19 is the conventional wisdom, too, and it's the best thing to be doing. And that's what all the experts are telling us. And that's what we should be relying on, uh, the information. But, but as, as we've been talking about, and we have brought them in a number of different experts on the program uh, over the last year and a half that this has been uh, with us, and... Uh, well, the concern here, of course, is misinformation or twisted information. Uh, Samantha Yamin is a molecular biologist, and uh, she says that, look, you've got to be careful about what you're actually talking about and when you're talking about the vaccine, because there is a lot of misinformation. 
they're really important in the global context and they're going to be a big part of, they've already been a big part of what's helped the UK keep things at bay and hopefully going to help India. And I just don't know that it's wise for us to be saying that this really effective vaccine and overall safe vaccine that just happens to have one additional risk um, is useless. I think it's really an important vaccine. It's easier to distribute. And there's a lot of things that we need to consider, too, before you make that decision about that, uh, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. Uh, you just heard from one of our callers in the segment before this, of course, uh, that did have COVID. He got it a few weeks ago, and he said it was the roughest six days of his life. He's recovered, thankfully. But there's that to consider, that you could still get it and die from it. People have died from this in, in, in literally hours after testing positive for that. It's pretty frightening. Then there's the long-term consequence of this as well. I mean, even when we come out of this and we say, okay, it's time to start opening up again, well, the decision about whether or not to have a, a vaccine passport has uh, started to heat up once again, uh, as, which basically could mean, you know, there are some things that you just won't be able to do unless you can prove that you were vaccinated, like going to a, a movie or a ball game or something like that. Uh, well, the uh, good folks, of course, at Leger have done some polling on this, and uh, both Americans and Canadians on this, and the, uh, the results of this are rather fascinating. And to that end, uh, we're pleased to welcome Dave Schultz back to the program. Dave is the Executive Vice President of uh, Leger Marketing. Dave, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the time today. I hope you're well. Oh, I am. Thank you for having, uh, have, thank you for having me on. Very timely question because uh, you know, we kind of kicked this around a while ago and I guess it kind of got shafted to the back burner when we started talking about some of the other elements in the lockdown here in Ontario. Uh, but the passport, the vaccine passport is something uh, that is not just an Ontario concern or Canadian concern. This is a global discussion that's going on right now. So I'm glad you were able to, uh, to spend some time uh, talking with Americans and Canadians. And, and let's get to the obvious question right now. Are they for it or against it? Well, you know, it's not a simple answer because it's oh, sort of yeah. an evolving piece that we're seeing. 51% of Canadians said that they are for a vaccine passport that would allow vaccinated people to attend public events or gatherings and prevent entry to people who do not have it. So 61%, and that's up 7% from uh, three weeks ago, or sorry, wow. from a month ago. So we're it's it's starting to become more and more. But if I ask you, if there were vaccine passports, would you want one? That number increases to 71%. So now, if they're, if they're out there, yes, I definitely want one um, because I want to show that I've, I've been vaccinated. And then if you start looking at how would it be used, it changes even more. So 82% of Canadians think that if, so, if a non-Canadian is flying into our country, they should have a vaccine passport. So we think the rest of the world should have a vaccine passport. And if we're going to travel, 79% of us think we should have a vaccine passport. So even under t even though just around two-thirds of us wanted this to happen, when we start applying it into certain situations like travel, that number increases substantially. What was the American response to this? Uh, Americans, like, like always on this type of thing, are a little bit less likely. So mm -hmm. when we 61% of us said that we want it, it's 41% uh, in, uh, in the U.S. that say wow. we want that. That's, that's a huge difference. It, it really is. Um, although they have similar numbers in terms of uh, traveling. So in terms of leaving the country and coming back in, uh, you know, should non-Canadian, non-Americans have it, it's, it's, a, it's a little closer to, uh, to our percentage then. 
which may well reflect the fact that they seem to be opening up a lot faster. I mean, I know the vaccination program has, has gone exceedingly well. They know that. They've exceeded just about all expectations. But I, I get the sense, uh, watching some of the news clips from down there, that a lot of them think, you know, I've I've had my two shots now. I'm bulletproof. I'm good to go here, which is not necessarily the case. But it, it might just, you know, spur the idea that we really don't need that passport thing because it's all behind us now, and it isn't. So, anyway, that's well, just my two cents you worth. You talk about them being ahead of us. Um, we are going to catch up sooner than later or, or, or surpass them in this. Because when you talk to Canadians, like, are you vaccinated or intend to get vaccinated? 82% of us say that we intend to get vaccinated or already are. And that's up 2% from a week ago. So that's steadily climbing uh, as the months go on. In the U.S., it's only at 67%. Wow. So so even though they're starting to open up, they're their immunity level, their herd immunity, as we hear, is going to be significantly less than we have in Canada uh, as we're delaying opening, but also as we're putting more shots into arms. I'm glad you had time to talk to us about this. You're a numbers guy. And it's, you know, numbers can be confusing to people uh, because the, the, the one I keep seeing on social media, especially on Twitter, is, uh, you know, we're 38th in the, in the world or something when it comes to vaccinations. And I guess that's one number that you need to look at. But the other one I think that you just referred to is probably even more germane to the discussion. And that's the rate of vaccination. And, and, and uh, the, the study I saw yesterday indicated uh, that I think we're number one in the G7 now when it comes to the rate of vaccination and one of the best in the world right now. That's because we, we had a lousy start. But in other words, we seem to be improving at a pretty considerable pace. We seem to be improving, and our, we don't seem to have the same ceiling that we hear in some other countries, like the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting, just your caller who talked about not getting vaccinated, you were encouraging them to, to get vaccinated. Um, a third of Canadians uh, have had conversations or know of someone who have uh, is refusing, and uh, just about half have attempted to change their minds. So we are speaking up when we hear of someone who has uh, not been vaccinated, and but we're not speaking up enough. It's only at 44% of people who have attempted to change the minds of the person who doesn't want to be vaccinated. Well, and the AstraZeneca thing, I guess, has really been a, a kind of a, a wild card in this thing, hasn't it, uh, Dave? Because, I mean, you know, the announcement in Ontario here, you know, that they're suspending the use of it for a first dose. Uh, they didn't say they're not going to use it for the second dose, but that there's always been question about AstraZeneca from the beginning, but they've always added at the end of it, but it's safe. Uh, there's a concern here, but it's safe. And, and, and I'm interested to see just how the reaction to the public is, is going to uh, you know, fashion itself with, with this information right now, because I I get the sense, even from the phone segment we just did there, that people are saying, oh, I'm good with this anyway. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's tragic that some people have had uh, these terrible you know reactions to it, but most people uh, don't don't seem to have that reaction and they just want to carry on with it well and it, it all gets down to blurred and misinformation and disinformation it's it's an easy one to put up there and say you know you shouldn't get vaccinated because look what's happening with astrazeneca um, but you look at the percentage of people that are getting these side effects relative to the percentage of people when we test that are testing positive for covid mm-hmm. it's uh it's you, you don't want COVID. I think that's the answer. And to your other caller who talked about being sick for six days, uh, he survived, which is good news. But you don't yeah. want to get this. In general, this week, we asked people, uh, do you believe vaccines uh, are dangerous and should not be taken or given? And we've been asking this question quite a while over the last year. Um, that number is currently at 8%. And that's been a fairly consistent number over 
over most of the year. So it hasn't gone up, it hasn't gone down, which is good news. There's still a, a group of people out there that will not get vaccinated no matter what. Uh, but the discussion about AstraZeneca hasn't changed that number, which is good news. Yeah, exactly. And and, and again, you know, they're, they're continuing on the studies on this. Uh, to, to the poll that you guys released the uh, the other day about the, the, the passport, though, I'm fascinated yeah. uh, by the numbers, first of all, Dave, but the, you broke it down even further. Uh, okay, what are we going to do? What do we want to go to? What do we want to attend uh, once we can do this with our vaccination and maybe with our vaccination passport? And th- those numbers vary depending on which uh, which activity or which place you want to you know, possibly go into. It, it does. So, and we looked at it a little bit differently as opposed to, do I need a passport to get in? We asked, do private businesses have a right to refuse entry if, uh, if you don't have a passport or you can't prove that you've been vaccinated? And uh, owners of spas, beauty salons, massage clinics, uh, 61% of us say, yes, you should be, you know, we should be able to refuse entry to someone who can't prove that they've been vaccinated. Uh, gym owners is at 60%. Concert halls or movie theaters down to 59%. Restaurant or bars, it's also at 58%. So it's really this range of 58 to 61, right? You know, they almost the same number, just under two thirds of Canadians feel this. And then when we go to non-essential stores, so clothing stores, things that aren't currently open now, um, even there, we think owners should be able to refuse right to unvaccinated uh, patrons. 50% of us feel that way. That's so amazing. I, I think there is some potential as we go forward for the vaccine passport to take root here because we are hearing uh, a lot of people saying, and because we're going to have 82% currently of people willing to get vaccinated in the country, and then if that number continues to rise, it'll be even higher. So for those who don't, this could be a bit of a, a wake-up to you may not be able to go to that movie theater that you want to go to. That's that's going to be quite a story. And you know what's going to happen if, in fact, we do go down this road, uh, that people are going to start complaining about, you know, their their rights and freedoms, yada, 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 with situations like this. But, you know, I, I keep going back to the, the discussion that we had way back at the beginning of the of the pandemic, I guess, is, yes, you have rights, but uh, in, at least in Canada anyway, uh, your rights stop when it comes to the possible harm you can cause to somebody else. And, uh, you know, in other words, the, the group's rights supersede the individual rights in situations like that, which is the premise, I guess, that the government's using. But, I, I, you know, there's going to be an either side of the pushback, too. If I'm one of the patrons of that restaurant and some guy that's not vaccinated says, I want to go in there and sit beside Bill, I'm going to have my concerns about that. Yep. yep. And that's, that's what people are. That's why I say with all of with 82 percent of us being vaccinated, you will start to see people having concerns about others being around that are not. Um, and I don't know how we're going to do it with the passport or if that even will exist, but uh, there is certainly a growing desire for this. Well, I mean, you know, when I got my vaccination a few weeks ago now, I mean, I've, I've got a, a card. Well, it's not a card, but a, a little declaration that, yes, I've, been, I've received my first shot. I, I, I guess, you know, they expect me to carry that around. I, I don't. I took a picture of it, so I've got it just in case anybody asks. But it, it might be something as simple as that, like, you know, prove that you've got this, and the card would, would actually be the proof of that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and we talk about uh, you know, the, the anti-maskers right now who are protesting against their rights being infringed. You're right. You will see more of more of that uh, if we are refusing entry to a restaurant or to a, to a bar based on uh, not having this passport. But that being said, most of Canadians want to ride this out properly. So we also asked, do you think government should lift all restrictions 
right now. Only 17% of Canadians said so. So we're getting, we're getting vaccinated or we intend to get vaccinated. Uh, just under one in five Canadians think that we should uh, uh, open up. The rest, you know, well, 78% think we should remain closed till we get through this. Uh, we're, we're taking a pretty safe approach. And if we're taking a safe approach now, you're absolutely right. People aren't going to feel comfortable about someone coming in next to them uh, and sitting close to them who has not been vaccinated in a few months. Hey, Dave, I'm looking at the numbers again, and just to, I guess, pertaining to the conversation we had about the American versus the Canadian attitude toward this, when you asked that same question of Americans, you got quite a different answer, didn't you? In terms of the... Um, the government should lift all, re- all restrictions, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 78% of us said no, 52% of Americans said no. Uh, so a third of Americans think they everything should be open across the board. And it's, it, it's a tough question, and we, we debated this result internally a bit, because uh, for a lot of states, it already is open. Yeah. So uh, it isn't a matter of, you know, should we be open? We're, we're, they're already open and doing business the way they normally would. So it's, uh, it's a very different reaction down there. But, uh, and we're, we're going to be asking questions in the next little while about American-Canada border being open again, because uh, I'm sure our politicians are getting regular pressure from U.S. and we hear about it already that uh, the border should be more open than it is now. And, and there's a lot of pressure. We told we're told also uh, within the states. I mean, a number of the border uh, politicians, including Chuck Schumer, uh, who's a Democratic senator from uh, from, New, from New York State, of course, uh, has sent a letter to the president uh, saying, "Look, open the border up." And uh, yeah. it's not just for tourism. I know commerce is allowed to get through there, but uh, you know, especially people that live near the border, like we do here in southern Ontario, uh, we understand that a lot of businesses are hurting because they're they're hoping that American tra- traffic comes across the border. They spend a lot of money here every summer. Yeah, definitely. And we do there as well in those border towns. So it works both, works both ways. But, you know, the, the numbers that you've been talking to us about, especially when it comes to the Canada versus U.S. Uh, attitudes towards an awful lot of these things, I think it really just kind of substantiates, uh, well, maybe it's not a myth, but we seem as Canadians to be just a little more cautious. And, you know, let's, let's make sure we've got solid footing here before we move forward with whatever it is. In this case, it's, it's lifting restrictions. Well, in every myth, there's a bit of truth to it. Yeah, so, I guess. Uh, so I, I think we're starting to see the truth about where Canadians are at on this, and we are certainly uh, more cautious at this point. Well, it's it's always great to, to have this conversation with you because, like I say, you want to have your finger on the pulse and know just where people are on some of these key issues. Uh, because, you know, when you, you live in a bubble sometimes, you, you think, well, boy, everybody's opposed to this. Uh, the numbers seem to indicate a, quite a different story. And, and invariably, I guess, when, when something as contentious as like a vaccine passport comes onto the table, uh, you only tend to hear from the people that are loudest about this. And oftentimes those are the people that are opposed to it. So we've heard those voices. But it's uh, kind of reassuring to know that most Canadians think this is a pretty good idea and they'd go along with it no definitely and you know i I talk about 61 percent across the country it's 62 percent in ontario uh, and it rises to almost 70 percent in quebec so it's uh provincially there's some differences of opinion as well here well, I'm wondering how the government's going to handle this. Uh, the old idea about trying to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. But I, I, I think there's some legs to this, because I know that the prime minister was dismissive of it the first time it came up a couple of months ago now. But the fact that they're having discussions with the U.K. and others right now kind of indicates that uh, whether or not they want to do it, they may be forced into it. They may, they may be forced. Well, and, and, but a few months ago, I, I don't think we had the public opinion for it. I mean, yeah. even looking a month ago, 
it was 54%. Now we're at 61. That's a, that's a huge difference in opinion and attitudes just in a month. Exactly, which is why it's so great to be able to have you guys on the show to, to have that reflected in the numbers. Dave, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this. I know we'll talk again soon as you guys continue the great work you do at uh, Leger. Uh, stay well, and we'll talk probably next week or so. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bill. Take, Take care. care now. Dave Schultz, of course, is the uh, executive vice president for Leger Marketing. And uh, interesting, uh, the difference between the American and Canadian attitudes towards uh, some of these very contentious issues. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Good news for the city of Hamilton. Professional lacrosse is uh, coming back to this city. Uh, the Toronto Rock are going to be playing at First Ontario Centre. And uh, joining us to talk about this is uh, the owner and uh, president of the Toronto Rock lacrosse team. Of course, Jamie Dawick is with us on the Bill Kelly Show. Jamie, welcome uh, to Hamilton, first of all, and thanks for joining us on the program today. Hey, thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is great news. I've talked to a number of folks. I know you, you talked to my colleague Scott Radley about this, and, and Steve Milton writes about this in The Spectator. And the consensus I'm getting, Jamie, is this is a great story, but what's with the name? Let's, let's deal with the elephant in the room, and maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, the team is moving to Hamilton, but they're still going to be called the Toronto Rock. Talk, talk to us about that decision. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was, you know, it was, it was something that we put a lot of thought and effort into, and, you know, uh, we understand uh, Hamilton Hamiltonians and, and their proud, um, you know, representation of the city and all that. And, and we knew that was going to come. You know, we do feel like, you know, the, the, the team hasn't changed. Nothing's really changed with the team other than the fact that we're, we're, we're changing the location of our home games. And, and you know, there's... You know, this team and, and the Toronto Rock have a 20-year, very rich history and, you know, have, have built a brand, um, you know, that expands beyond beyond the, the NLL and, and with our facility out here in Oakville. And, you know, a lot of money has been invested in that. So, you know, I'm a never-say-never never guy that it won't ever change, but... You know, it, it's been tough. This has been a tough announcement while everyone in Hamilton and, and we're flattered by the excitement there. Um, you know, this has been a tough announcement for, for our, you know, regular season ticket holders and fans on, on the other side of the city. It, it makes mm-hmm. their, uh, commute to game to come watch us a little more challenging. And, you know, we're very sensitive to that and, and we're not taking their team away, you know, we're everyone's team. We're Ontario's team, really. Um, but, you know, as we did that as the Toronto Rock, and we represented the entire greater Toronto Hamilton area as the Toronto Rock, you know, before we represented Hamilton, and and, and we continued to do that. So I, I, I'm well aware it's a very touchy subject, and, you know, we're committed to Hamilton. We want to be in Hamilton. We're going to show Hamilton what we're all about, and, in, in all the things that we do uh, in the community, and you know, hopefully, th- those people that you know are are uh, annoyed by that can can uh, you know see what we're doing and 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 kind of uh, you know accept it. We're we're where we want to be. We want to be in Hamilton, and uh, you know, we appreciate the love we've gotten. 
Well, and I think that's going to grow, too. I mean, I, I, I've got some thoughts on this as well. And I can understand the frustration. I mean, I'm a, a lifetime Hamilton, born and raised in the city here. So, I mean, there's a lot of Hamilton pride, and you know that, Jamie, for, you know, being in Oakville, you, you know. And there's a bit of a competition, Argos, Tiger Cats, and all that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm not a Toronto hater. Uh, but uh, we do get a little bit miffed here when we kind of get short-shrifted, though. And, uh, and uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. I mean, some, oftentimes, I remember an, an old, old comedian, Bill Cosby, thing, and I don't like Bill Cosby, but there was a, a video that he had, and he said, you know, from the fabulous Hamilton place in downtown Toronto. And I thought, that's not right. But I can understand from a marketing standpoint why they do that, because people all over the world know Toronto. Not everybody knows where Hamilton is. And and this is this is a brand that you, you – uh, the Toronto Rock are a brand, aren't they? They are. And, and Bill, you're bang on on all that. And, and, and I meant, you know, some of my comments, you know, get twisted a little bit. And, and, and yes, they're quotes and – you know, there's always more to a conversation than one quote. I, you know, I meant no disrespect to Hamilton, and, and, and I understand that, and we're excited, and we're going to do a lot of things that are going to show you that this team is a part of Hamilton, you know. Uh, it, but you're bang on on all that, Bill. You couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, and that, that's going to change. I mean, I know that, you know, we got a lot of uh, bad, you know, vibes from the NHL when we wanted to get a team here, too. And, uh, you know, and, and that was the, the pushback I heard. Uh, you know, we started doing shows about that back in those days, Jamie, uh, when we were going for one of those expansion teams, you know, and, and a couple of the guys from U.S. hockey writers in some of the U.S. cities just said, nobody even knows where Hamilton is. Well, they do. But, I mean, if they're going to take that attitude, I can get that. And you don't want to lose the brand. And, and in fairness to you, and I, I, not that you need anybody to defend you here, Jamie, uh, you've got, first of all, you got a lot of fans that have come you know, and made the trip over there to, to watch this because it's an exciting sport. But also, you've always marketed yourself as a regional team. Absolutely. We, we, we are Ontario's only professional lacrosse team. And, you know, uh, Toronto's just the biggest city in, in Ontario. And it, it represents, you know, it represents everyone. We're not, you know, we've never been Toronto-focused. Um, you know, that, that's where we played our games. And, and the reality is, you know, most, most, we have very few fans actually living in the city. Um, it's, it's more from the outskirts and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I think the opportunity out, out the Hamilton way is, is awesome. Um, you know, I think there is a lot of fans out that are Toronto rock fans that live in Hamilton and, and the surrounding areas, you know, that, just haven't been able to get down to our games because of where we played them. So, um, you know, I, I believe that, you know, I really believe that we'll, we'll be able to show the, the city of Hamilton what we're all about. And, and I, I believe that, you know, that, that they'll, they'll come along and, and, and enjoy the ride. It's going to be a lot of fun. We bring in, the, you know, what I believe is, is the top team in the league. And, you know, it's, it, we're expecting a championship season you know, the moment we get back on the floor, and yeah, a lot of teams will tell you that, but this team's, you know, I don't know how many people are familiar with it, but this team's been built, added on, and ready to go, and ready to win, and win now, and win for the future, so, you know, we're, we're expecting a real fun ride here in Hamilton, and and uh, we're excited to be, you know, back where, I guess, the, the this franchise played its, its yeah. first inaugural season. 
Exactly. Uh, and, and you know, uh, being from the area, of course, I mean, there's a lot of, of support for lacrosse here. You know, minor lacrosse here is a big, big sport uh, in Hamilton and, and right through Kitchener, Waterloo, and Guelph, and all these places, too. So, I mean, the, the fan base is here. I get that. Why why the move, though, out of, out of uh, well, I was going to call it the Scotiabank Air Canada Centre, whatever people want to refer to it, uh, and come here? I, I think I have a pretty good idea as to why, but, but why would you even consider moving out of the Toronto area? Well, it, it's very complicated, but... You know, the simple kind of quick answer is it, it was a business decision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that has so many layers to it. You know, um, the Scotiabank being downtown Toronto is kind of the premier facility in the country. And, and you know, the, going along with that was the most expensive, which makes sense. Um, you know, so that that's definitely a factor, oh, yeah. you know, tied with the fact that, you know, on our best nights, we were really filling the building to half capacity. Um, you know, just other things that spin off schedule because of the, you know, obviously the Leafs and the Raptors and some concert business. You know, we we really kind of had to take what we were given as terms as the schedule goes. And our season runs for five months. And some seasons, we would have had five home games in a row just because that's what we were given in that, in that situation. Now, when we moved to Hamilton, you know, we, we become one of their, uh, you know, top properties, let's say in their, in their building and have event date preference. And we're able to play on Saturday nights, which is generally a lot better for everyone as far as travel and not having to try and race downtown after work and, and things like these. So, you know, there, there, there's so many things that go into it, um, you know, but the simple answer, it, it was a business decision. Um, we couldn't continue to keep doing what we were doing in the current situation. I can understand that. I, I can remember, Jimmy, having a discussion with uh, the late David Braley, uh, of course, you know, from the Football Hall of Fame. And it's just mm-hmm. after David, he, he purchased the Argos. And, of course, they, they had a contract with well, Skydome, it was called back in those days. And, yep. and uh, he was so frustrated by this because he says, look at, he says, you know, he says, the Jays play here. They are, you know, he says, we, we get the leftovers. You know, like he was getting home dates for like Monday evening. Well, you don't play CFL football on Monday evening. There's nobody would go to the games. And he says, we can't get premium dates. Uh, so yeah. I understand the frustration. I mean, you've got the Leafs, the Raptors, concerts. I mean, that place is busy just about every night of the year. Uh, and it's, it's pretty hard to squeeze stuff in there. The fact that you're going to go to another facility now uh, that's going to give you that availability has got to be a, a it's a, it's a smart business decision, really. It, it, it was necessary. Like I said, we just couldn't continue to keep going the way we're going. And, and you know, and then I take my hat off to Andrew Nash and, and the group at First Ontario Centre because, you know, I, you never know how these conversations are going to go when you first have these discussions. And, you know, from the moment we kind of mentioned it to these guys, um, and, and this isn't, this is by no means a shot at MLC. We're great partners. Sure. Um, you know, they were great to me and they have their things going on. And, and I understand that and respect that. I have my own stuff in different avenues and I get how that all works. But these guys, the, the, the response was like, it was like, oh, there, there, there's a chance for this to happen. And I'm like, yeah, it just, it, it's been unbelievable. And, 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 and I really feel like, you know, we're working collectively together. And I, you know, I think that's great for the city of Hamilton. It's good for the team. And, uh, you know, I, they got a lot of 
there's a lot of special stuff going on in the, in the downtown Hamilton, you know, with the revitalization and, and, you know, we want to be part of making Hamilton a, and, and that stadium a, a premier uh, sports venue. And, and, and we're excited about that. Uh, the other major tenant, of course, in the arena is, is the, the Bulldogs junior A team. Uh, have you had an opportunity to talk with Michael Andelar, the owner of that team? No, I, I, I haven't met with Michael yet. I think we, we're, we're going to get together soon. I mean, obviously, there's been some communications between the partners. And, yep. um, you know, while I've never met him in person, we have, like, some very funny six degrees of separation, Tim and I. <laughs> so I, I really look forward to actually getting down to sit down with him and, and, and talk with him. But, you know, um, hey, we're, we're, we're excited to work with them as well. We understand, you know, obviously their position in the building and, and they've been there and they're, they're the, but we, we can obviously, uh, our, our two teams can, can coexist and, and work together and, and, you know, once again, help just build the, the property of the building and, and the sports teams playing there and, I, I see a great working relationship with, between the two of us. Yeah, I, the reason I ask is, I, you're right, in the business world, I mean, you guys tend to intersect a lot more than the people might realize with different interests. And, and, and Michael, of course, is, is one of the biggest Hamilton boosters around. And as you know, he's put a lot of his own money into, into that building, let alone into the hockey team. So the, this is a guy that believes in, in what's going on. But to that end, though, let me ask you something. I'm not going to try to pull you into the political end of things here, Jamie, but you know that there's been some discussion here over the last little while about a new arena or refurbishing that one or, or whatever the case might be. And, and City Council's got some options that they're toying around with right now. It's kind of got shoved to the back burner now because of the pandemic, but it's going to come again. Now, you've signed a five-year deal. Uh, when they decide to get back around to discussing that again, do you want to be at the table for those discussions? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't really want to kind of comment too much on, on <laughs> these things. All I can say is, you know, I, I'm super excited about some things that I've heard about and you know i I've, I've uh you know been informed of some stuff and i feel like um you know i definitely we definitely want to be part of this revitalization and you know um it, it, it's 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 just going to be awesome and uh you know that that was one thing i'm very excited about and and i think it's great for the city of hamilton yeah, there's a lot of discussion going on, and, and, and I know that a lot of folks are pretty interested and excited about some of the, the possibilities anyway uh, to do with buildings and, and facilities and things of this nature. But you're right. I mean, it's, 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 it's not front and center right now, but certainly something that's going to have to be discussed in the next little while. Uh, for those who may not be aware, and I know there are a lot of fans and a lot of, tr of Toronto Rock fans in this area anyway, uh, season doesn't start till December. Uh, so when, when does the big season take a push come on? I mean, you've, you've got some concerns about limitations right now because of the pandemic and and there's probably going to be restrictive seating for the next little while, but you've got a plan for that too, don't you? Yeah, we got that. That's a great question, Bill. And you know, right now, really, our, our and we just announced this to our season's ticket holders on the on the Monday night before the press conference Tuesday morning. And really, um, for the first for the next month, you know, we're just trying to make sure we line up everything up there and make sure everyone's taken care of out of our current season ticket holders and we get them in the right seats in moving over to the arena um you know we're we are accepting deposits right now 
on new season tickets, whole tickets, and we had a great day yesterday. Um, you know, of people wanting to put down a deposit, whether it be for regular season tickets or our new Builders Club, which we've announced. Um, it, it, the, the response has been great, and I think it's just a lot of people that you know are fans of the Toronto Rock, but live out that way and just haven't been able to get to get to our games. So. Um, it, it, you know, you can obviously go on torontorock.com or contact our office by phone, but, um, you know, the, the, the initial response has, has been overwhelming. Jamie, this is going to be the first of many discussions, I'm sure, uh, as we uh, head down the road on this. So you've got a lot of work to do, but uh, the first step is, is to, to get the deal done, and you've done that already. So uh, good luck with this, and I know we'll talk again. Thanks for the time today. Phil, thanks for this, and I uh, look forward to meeting you in person and, and seeing you down at a game there in December. Yeah, instead of working at home, I'd love to go to a game. I'd love to go anywhere yeah. right about now. Thanks, uh, Jamie. Stay you. well. Stay safe. Thank- you too. Jamie Dalwick, of course, owner of the Toronto Rock Lacrosse team, moving to uh, First Ontario Centre in downtown Hamilton. As we mentioned, the league starts uh, play up in December once again. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you rate and review.